The Old Testament for this first Wednesday in Lent, the Wednesday of Invocabit, is written in the third chapter of the first book of Moses, beginning at the first verse. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other field beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said unto the wife, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the wife said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall ye touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You shall surely not die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the wife saw that the tree was good for food, that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she gave also some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the, both, the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And so they sewed fig leaves together and made for themselves aprons. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the husband and said unto him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. He said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I have commanded you not to eat? And the husband said, The wife whom you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit from the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the wife, What is this that you have done? And the wife said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. And the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you will go. The dust you shall eat all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. To the wife he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you will bring forth your children, and your desire will be for your husband, but he will rule over you. And to Adam he said, Because you have hearkened to the voice of your wife, and you have eaten of the tree which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the herbs of the field. By the sweat of your brow you will eat your bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you shall return. The man called his wife's name Eve, because she is the mother of all living. And the Lord God made for Adam and his wife garments of skins and clothed them. But our Lord have mercy upon us. The 
epistle lesson is written in the sixth chapter of St. Paul's second letter to the church in Corinth, beginning at the first verse. Working together with him, then, we appeal to you not to receive the gift of the grace of God in vain. For he says, in a favorable time I listened to you, and in a day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We put no obstacle in anyone's way, so that no fault may be found with our ministry. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, by great endurance, in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, by truthful speech and the power of God, with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise, we are treated as impostors, yet are true, as unknown, yet well-known, as dying, and behold, we live, as punished and not yet killed, as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet making many rich, as having nothing, yet possessing everything." In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. So the woman spoke to the serpent. For the serpent had come to her with a simple question. Did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And really, the answer is simple in itself. That one, there in the midst of the garden, we can't eat of that one. That's it. That's all you got to say. Serpent, go away. And the conversation ends there. But that's not how it goes. A simple phrase. Neither shall you touch it. Neither shall you touch it. It's right there. There's the problem. There's where things start going down. Neither shall you touch it. For you see, God never actually said those words. After God creates Adam on the sixth day and places him in the garden into which he had made specifically for man, this is what God says to him. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. There you go. 
That one, that one there, you shall not eat of it. You are given every tree of this lush and plentiful garden into which I have placed you, but that one there, you shall not eat of it. The simple command of God given to Adam. But when pressed, Eve does not answer with the words of God. Rather, she amends the words which would have been given to her by her husband. For Adam, as the head of the household, had the duty to hand these words down to Eve, these words given to him by God. But in her answer, Eve misquotes the words of God, amending them, adding to them, twisting them into something they were not. The words which God used are not the ones which Eve used, with Adam standing right there. Luther, in his lectures on this chapter, would say, what he, the devil, sought to achieve above all, to lead Eve away from the word and faith, this he has now achieved to the extent that Eve distorts the word of God. But it is the beginning of one's ruin, to turn away from God and to turn to Satan. That is, not to remain constant in the faith and in the word. Eve is no longer remaining constant in the word which had been given to them. And it is at this point that the devil pounces with his bold statement. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. With the door just ever so cracked open, the devil comes bursting through with full blasphemy against God. The devil makes the case that God is really the one who has been lying to Adam and Eve and they will not die as God says they would. God just doesn't want them to be like him. And so he said they can't eat of that tree or they will die. This thing, which is desirable to make one wise and a delight to the eye, Beginning by sowing doubt, the devil now ends with full lies concerning God and man. And now, since the fall, our sinful nature likes to hear these words of the devil. You will be like God. We want to be the ones to determine right and wrong. We want to be the ones to determine what is best for our lives and what we get to do and don't get to do. We want to be the ones 
to decide what is true. We want to be like God. It is really the root of all relativism and subjectivism in our society. That has been going on now for decades. We want to be the one to determine truth. There is no thing out there called truth, but we get to decide our own. How many times have you heard the phrase, she told her truth, he told his truth, truth. They are just living their truth. Rather than acknowledging that God is the source of all truth. For as Christ said of himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Sinful man would rather say, I get to decide my truth. I get to decide what is right and wrong for me. I get to be like God. And so ultimately, sin is against the first commandment. Wanting to make our desires and wants not actually sin. We do not want to fear, love, and trust in God above all things, but we would rather be like Him getting to make these decisions on our own, putting our trust in ourselves, in our own decisions, in our own desires and wants. And so, we come to a point when many would twist the words of Scripture like pretzels or even ignore it altogether so that they can say this or that is not actually a sin, that they can go on doing what they are doing, not stopping what we really like to do. Have you ever noticed that? With relativism and subjectivism, when we get to decide what is right and wrong, we always end up deciding that the things we like to do are good, are right, are proper, and I don't have to stop doing them. We don't want to stop the sins we enjoy and will instead ignore or change the Word of God so that we can just keep doing them. Our society is in the midst of this, in the throes of this, as we jettison any idea of sexual immor immorality or the sanctity of marriage. And it is only to our detriment. It is when we contort the word of God or ignore it altogether that we continue to fall again and again into sin and our lives are not any better for it. And truly, we must confess that we in the church are really no better. We who say we stand upon the word of God alone, when push really comes to shove and the law really comes against us, we like to find ways to soften it, to excuse it. Well, at least I'm not doing that. Well, at least I'm not as bad as them. Is it really so bad that I do this or that? 
But we all have those passages that cut to the bone. The Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow. And it hurts. It hurts when the sword pierces deep, when the law cuts to bone and marrow, when we're slapped in the face by those things which we have done wrong in thought, word, and deed. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Do not resist the one who is evil, but if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Do not be anxious about your life, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Love your neighbor as yourself. Who of us can say we fulfilled these completely? When we hear these things spoken against us, our sinful nature would like nothing else than to twist the words in order to soften the blow, to excuse the actions that we have done, to make it just a little bit worse than it actually is. Instead, we ought to do as the Lord would have us do, Repent and believe in the gospel. Confess those sins which lay upon heart and mind. Fall before the throne of heaven and confess what we have done against God and neighbor. Pour out your heart towards the Father. That Father who came to seek out Adam and Eve in the garden, who covered their nakedness with the skin of an animal and promised that to them the one who would crush the serpent's head. Repent and believe. Turn to Christ your Lord, the Lamb who takes away the sins of the world, the one by whom you are covered in the robe of righteousness. In Jesus' name, amen.